So for the next three weeks, we're going to be in a series that will take us all the way through November, and I'll try to keep moving out of the way so you can see the TV. Um, we're going to be in a series that I'm calling Hits Different. And I was looking this up this morning. I feel like sometimes I want to say I'm kind of culturally up to date and I know what some of these things are and use some of these phrases. Um, but there was a bunch of different definitions that, that you can use for hits different. It can be like there's a certain um, thing that feels different after a certain event happens or a certain emotion is evoked when, when you hear a song or an experience or a circumstance or another one that I really like is just something special that hits differently or something in your life that is special. It, it, it holds this special place in your heart. And so what, what I want to look at and the reason I'm calling this hits different is I think when you look at the different ways or the commands in which Jesus tells us to live, we can often get lost in all the rules, commands, and different things that, of how we're supposed to live. And also, I don't think we always understand what they truly are. We hear all these things, and, and you're going to hear the two greatest commandments is what we're going to walk through in November. Love God and love others. And I feel like once you understand them and once you truly get into what these are saying, I think it's going to hit differently. These commands aren't just going to be something else that it's like, well, I know I'm supposed to love God and love others. But like now that I understand what these mean, there's something else that it evokes in me. There's a different emotion that it evokes in me. And, and it's special in my heart now that these commands are the greatest commands, not just because Jesus says them, but because now I can experience them. And I understand what happens when I truly do what these commands say. And so that's what we're going to walk through when, when we look at this series in November, how do we take the two greatest commandments, understand them, so then there's a different response in our heart, not just, I know these are the two greatest commands, but no, these are the two greatest commands that I'm going to live by the rest of my life. We were this week, uh, I helped my grandpa move. Um, he lives out um, kind of a little bit outside of town, and I remember walking in, it was on Wednesday. We walked into his house, and my grandpa's one of those probably, um, I don't know if many grandpas are like this, but I feel like um, a lot of grandpas that I've interacted with don't tend to show a lot of emotion. You know, he was born, uh, I don't know if I want to take a guess. I want to say maybe the 50s. I mean, my dad was born in the 70s, so he's probably the 50s. She's laughing back there. I'm, I'm going to say that. He's close to 70. I don't know. I can't do the math in my head. But somewhere in there. and well, Close enough. We'll just say around there. But, but he's just very, and, and that's how both my grandparents were, but he's very kind of stoic. He just doesn't show a lot of emotion. He's not very, I mean, he, he interacts with us. I can talk to him. He's really nice. He's really sweet. He's just not very emotional. And I remember we got there early before anybody else was there. They're like, hey, meet here at 4.30. We're going to help load up the, the trailer, and we're going to move. Um, so we're like, okay. So we get there a little after 4.30, and he kind of comes in a little later. His house is unlocked, um, and he has, like, a little box of chicken nuggets from McDonald's, and he sits down in his bar, um, like his countertop bar, and starts eating. Is not saying a word. And it's very kind of interesting for, for me because I know my grandpa and he's not one that, like I said, he's not going to carry on a 50-minute conversation if he doesn't care, 
but he tends to ask questions to just keep conversation going. Um, but this was not like him. He just wouldn't say anything. Um, he was kind of sitting there. He asked maybe a question or two about the move, but really didn't say anything other than that. And so I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. So we waited for the rest of everybody else to get there. And then my mom walks in. And as soon as my mom walks in, it's like both of their eyes locked and like he just starts crying. And I've never seen my grandpa really do this. And my mom's doing the same thing. And I'm trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? What's my role here? Do I like go and comfort them? Do I just like have their space? I don't know what to do. And so my dad's there too and everybody's getting emotional. And so I'm trying to process and I'm not really sure why. I mean, I understand somewhat. I mean, everybody, you know, you move from a house. It's like you, you've put a lot of life memories into this house. And so I understand some of that, but I, I didn't understand fully what was so difficult. And so there was later, we went to his new house. He bought one of those houses by Hawkins over there in the new development. And so we dropped some stuff off and we had to run back to his house. And my mom got in the car with me. And so I turned to her and I said, okay, I understand somewhat why this is very emotional for him, but but what, what really is the reason behind this? And so she starts talking to me and I didn't make the connection until she started talking to me. The biggest reason and why this hit differently for him is not just because he had to move from his house. This was the last place he saw my grandma. My grandma died in this house. And he's now closing a chapter of his life with his wife that's not there anymore, that they built memories, they built a life together. And now it's a different story. It hits differently because this is the chapter he's now closing in his life. If he was just moving, it's like, okay, it's hard. We moved from a house that was over here, and Shannon bawled her eyes out because she was just sad. But, but there wasn't, I mean, we were only married a year in this house, and so there wasn't a ton of memories that were made. But that's different than him. His move hits differently because this is a significant chapter that's now closed, and he's not only leaving this house He's leaving the last moments he saw his wife. And I think when we look at a command like love God, we we can hear that growing up and, and we might from the outside, it's like, well, it explains itself. But when you really get down into what the command is really talking about and saying I think you're going to see there's a different story that comes out of it. It hits differently once you start to understand what it's truly talking about. And I think if you want to find a way to live your best life and also enjoy life to the fullest, it's keeping these two commands as the greatest commands in your life. Not just because you're a believer, not just because you're a Christian and the Bible says this is what we're supposed to do, but because God tells us love God and love others. These are the two greatest commandments, the two best things you can do. And so the question I ask you is, does loving God hold a high spot in your heart? It's easy for us to show up on a Sunday morning and say, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I love God. But I'm talking about love. I was looking up this morning, and um, I'm not a huge Greek and Hebrew person, but the, the, the love that they use in this love God is this love agape that you've probably heard, the highest form of love. Do you hold God to this highest form of love that he means the entire world to you? 
It's not just I'll show up and I'll talk to you when I want to talk to you. I'll go to church when I want to go to church. I'll be a part of this relationship when I feel like it. No, 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 no. God is more important than anything else in your life. That's what I want to dive into this morning. And so I want to unpack this phrase real quickly. We're going to look at a couple different passages, but this idea of you are loved. You are loved. And you might go, what's the connection with loving God? I'm going to explain here in a moment, but I want to unpack this idea of you are loved. So here's the passage in which this verse is kind of, I don't really know where to stand. That's best. Maybe right here. Um, uh, That, He's talking to the Pharisees in Matthew 22. So I'll read this real quick, and then I'll get out of the way. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they thought up a fresh question of their own to ask him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. And so you got to understand he's in this circle here with a bunch of religious leaders, church people, if you want to say. They're coming to him. They're trying to figure out how do we trap this guy? How do we take this guy down? And so they say they, he, he silenced this group of religious leaders. So they had to think of something different to ask him. How do we trap him here? Because I think if we can get him to say this is the most and greatest commandment, then he can't say any of these other greatest or commandments are great either. So they're thinking, I think that's how they're thinking. So they're like, okay, let's ask him. And so they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? What's the best thing or the highest thing we should hold? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then the second is equally as important as we'll look next week that flows from your love from God, love others. I mean, can you just imagine for a second, just just think of somebody that you feel like knows all the answers and just annoy you. And you're like, I'm going to figure out how to ask them one question that they're not going to be able to answer. And then you ask the question and then they answer it. And then you're like, how did they, how did they do that? That's how I felt like there was a guy um, some of you may have heard in the Christian circles, there was a guy named Ravi Zacharias. If you ever watched him, he was one of those guys that he would get in a setting and they'd try to ask him this question to, to take down God and why he believed in God. And then he just like answered the question in a very logical way and it made sense. And you were like, I don't know if I could have stood up on stage in front of a bunch of people and answered that question. And that's how I feel like maybe the religious leaders are thinking right now. is like, ah, we've got the perfect question we're going to ask him. Uh, What's the greatest commandment? And then Jesus just kind of responds, love God and love others. And they're probably like, okay, well, that didn't work. Now we're back at square one. But I think in order to understand what loving God looks like, we have to understand how much God loves us. Okay? Because I think so often in our lives, when we're, if I, let's take me and Shannon for example. So when we got married, and I love Shannon, and I still love Shannon, there's a part of me that has to see how much she loves me in order for me to love her back. Because if she doesn't love me, then I'm loving somebody that's never going to love me back. And it's never going to work. That's why, like, if you get into a relationship 
and the relationship doesn't work out, sometimes the other person loses feelings for you or you lose feelings for them. And so somebody then is loving the other person, but the other person isn't reciprocating that. And so I think God is calling us to love him because when we understand how much he loves us, we want to reciprocate that because of how much and how deeply he loves us. There's a desire for us to want to draw and love and put him at a high value because we understand how much he desperately desires us. You probably don't want to love somebody who doesn't desire you. I think it's just the reality. We don't we don't want to love somebody that doesn't love us. And so in order, I think, to, to truly put him at this high value and, and to keep him up here, that I love God with everything I've got, that's the simplified version instead of saying heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's just everything you've got, you've got to understand how much he loves you. Because it also says here in 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. We, we give this love because we've first been loved. God has first loved us, and so we want to give that love to Him because of how much He showed us. And you say, well, how much has He showed us? I think this is an incredible verse in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You want to talk about a love that I can't explain? God's love is one of the the most uh, amazing things that I love talking about and I love studying about. Is like, understand just for a second, God is calling us to love Him. And so when we go to 1 John 4.19, we love Him because He first loved us. We make that connection. But, but, But what does this verse have to say? Like, understand that while you were distant from God, while you were living your own life, while you were choosing sin, God still went after you. God still pursued you. You had no right to be in a relationship with Him. He had no right to even pursue you because you wanted nothing to do with Him. But yet, He still went after you. You want to talk about a love that you can't explain? It's like, if if Shannon does something to hurt me and we're not in a relationship, I'm probably not going to love her. Because she did something that hurt me, and and it really did some damage to me. But like we continually went and hurt God time after time after time, and God said, it doesn't matter. I'm so in love with you. You mean the world to me that I'm going to pursue you even when you're not pursuing me. Even while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. You weren't even thinking about him, maybe. We don't come into this world naturally pulled to God. We come into this world naturally pulled to sin. And it's like God's pursuing somebody that doesn't always reciprocate that love. It's like a relationship where somebody really likes the other person, but the other person doesn't like that person. We are watching a show last night, and this girl is madly in love with this guy, and this guy wants nothing to do with this girl. It's kind of how this is like at the beginning is that that God is so madly in love with you and, and you're bent towards sin and you're you're going to the, the ways of the flesh and you're not even, you may mention God, you may think about God, but you're not in this relationship and you don't realize the distance in between you two because of sin. You're just bent this way. And so God says, I'm going to keep going after them. I'm going to keep going for them. Even when they're not looking at me, I'm going after them. That's a pretty deep love to be able to not, 
pursue God and God continue to pursue you. God always pursues you. Even while you were still sinners, even while you were distant, He still went after you. And then we also see, I'm, I've used this verse a lot, but like, oh, this is my favorite verse. There's a verse in between here. And, and just as we were talking about, the Lord your God is a devouring fire, a jealous God. I like, there's another translation that says, the, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Like, understand here that, that God is so jealous for you that when you choose other things, He gets jealous because He's so passionate about you. He wants your full attention. He just wants you in the relationship to be you and Him, not add this and God. We like to add things and say, God, if I can have this, then we can be in this great relationship. God just wants you and your full attention. That's how much He loves you. And it's easy for us, it seems, when we have a relationship on this earth or we have a friendship on this earth that we can be full attention in that friendship or relationship. But when it comes to God, why is it we don't give Him our full attention? Why isn't it we don't love Him with everything we have? That's what He's calling us to. He does it to us, but we don't always do it to Him. And I think I'm talking to myself too. I'm not... I'm not trying to talk to you and yell at you like, what are you doing? Like, I don't always give God my full attention, but all the time, He is so in love with me no matter what I do. He loves me, and He's just calling me to love Him. I mean, it's easy in a relationship when you love the other person with a deep love. It's easy. It's easy to love my wife because... I have a deep love for her. And so if you truly want to love God, you have to truly be deeply in love with Him in this relationship. Even in the seasons you don't always feel it. What we're going to get into in Snow Retreat, your feelings. We make so many decisions based off of how we feel, yet not always what's true and right. He wants your attention. He desperately desires you. And he gets jealous when you decide to choose other things besides him. That's still not enough to understand his love. Um, 1 John 4, 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For what? God is love. I always say if you went in the dictionary and you looked up love, God would be the definition. He is love. The characteristic of love is Him. He can't not be anything else. He exudes that as His character. That's what He is. And so we, when we think of this idea of love, we can just automatically think of this idea of God, that He's so in love with you. And I think more than anything, this is the biggest thing if you want to talk about His love for you. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In the simplified version, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The ultimate sacrifice of love is Him willingly saying, I will send my Son to die for you 
You deserve wrath and judgment. But I'm going to put my son in your place and you he's going to get what you deserve and you're going to get what Jesus deserves. You want to talk about love? Jesus sent his son or God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for even those that may never accept him. That's how much he loved you. I mean, just understand that for a second as he looks into your eyes, he sees somebody he's so desperately desiring. That as he sees somebody, he doesn't just see your mistakes. He doesn't see how you see yourself. Well, I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. I don't have the fashion that I want. I don't have the look that I want. I've made too many dumb mistakes that I cannot be loved. That's not how God sees you. You see somebody that he so badly wants in a relationship. And he wants to give his full attention to you. We deserved the wrath and judgment of God. But when you realize that you have distanced yourself from God because you've chosen the way of the flesh, you've chosen sin, you can now enter into a relationship with Him because you realize He came down to die on a cross in my place to be the ultimate sacrifice of love so I can be with Him. Notice what it also doesn't say. Get your life together and then you can come into this relationship. God loves you so much that wherever you're at right now, He wants you. He wants you at your worst. He wants you at your best. That's how much He loves you. And so I think as you unpack that command a little bit, you go, well, love God, how am I supposed to do that? Just look it all through these couple verses and the ways in which He loves you. Even when you weren't looking at Him, He was looking at you. He had His eye on you. He wanted to go after you because you mattered to Him. And He desperately desires to be in this relationship with you, and He wants your full attention. He doesn't want you trying to drag these other things into the relationship and saying, God, I'll have you, but I also want this as part of my attention. I just want you. And He is love. He's the definition of love. It's His character. He can't not be love. And the ultimate thing that He shows us is that dying in our place so we could be in a relationship with Him. I think when you can begin to understand how much God loves you, you're gonna make, it's going to be so much easier for you to reciprocate that love back to Him. And it's not for you to sit here and go, I just need to think of myself of how bad I used to be before Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But it's understanding that you did have distance from God before you were in this relationship with Him. You did choose sin, and you're still probably going to choose sin. But guess what? God's love doesn't change for you. 
God is still so in love with you. Even when you make that decision, you're like, I just can't believe I did that. Or, yep, I did it again, and I'm still stuck in this problem. I'm still stuck in this addiction. I'm still out here in left field, and I don't know when I'm coming back. God is still pursuing you. And I think too many of us think we're too far gone to be able to have the love of God. Or maybe on this earth we haven't experienced the love that God can give us, and so we don't feel like we're worthy to experience that love. You are God's world. He wants everything to do with you. And I don't know why we so often think we don't deserve his love. He is so in love with you. Can't we just sit there and experience that love? Just sit in his arms? I mean, I feel like so many times we I get the picture in my head, and maybe you're not a hugger, but it's like, Just imagine God coming around to you with his arms embraced around you. And he's just holding you in his arms because he says it's okay. You don't have to worry about the choices you've made. You don't have to look at the past that you you had. You don't have to worry about the stuff you're even involved in right now. Just experience my love. Because out of that experience, you're going to be so drawn to love him back with a love we can't understand. I think there's so many different ways that you can describe this. Because I think also as you look at this command, you can logically say, well, we're supposed to love God because that's what we're called to do. And that's not wrong either. I know from my perspective, it's so much easier to love somebody that loves you. And I just very quickly wanted to show you how much God loves you so that as you are called to keep this greatest commandment. It hits a little bit differently because now I understand the love He has for me. And I don't only want to reciprocate that love, I want to keep this love to the highest thing in my life. Love God with everything you've got. But I think you do that by understanding you are loved. I close with... With this story, um, this week, some of you may have seen some of it um, on Facebook. If you know this guy, um, there's a guy, uh, I don't think you would care that I say his name because it's nothing bad, but um, Christian Langston, um, he's the director down at the Y um, uh, for like the sports ministry. And so Shannon was kind of falling a lot more than me, um, but he has a daughter and his daughter got RSV. It's basically like a respiratory infection. Um, and, and I've been told, I don't read much up on it. You want to ask anything medical, ask Shannon, because she keeps up with all that and like reads stuff. I don't. And so um, she contracted RSV, which in kind of older kids, it's not as big of an issue. But I guess in younger kids, sometimes it can um, do a lot of damage um, to their breathing. And so he gets, uh, he takes his daughter over to Mansfield. Was it uh Med Central, Ohio Health, Ohio Health, um, and they start trying to figure out what's going on with her because they know she's got some problems. She's not breathing very well, um, and, and they just didn't have the equipment there at Mansfield that they needed to help this girl out, and so they needed to transfer her to another hospital, but at that time, there was no beds available in any of these places, so um, I remember she kind of told me, I don't know if she showed me, but she was telling me that he was on Facebook Live and he was just asking in his words for prayer because his daughter was fighting for her life. 
And so I'm trying to process this. I went to high school with this guy. Like this isn't somebody like I kind of know. Like I went to high school and I've done, um, I've met with this guy. I've done some different ministry things with this guy. I know this guy. And so finally, um, that he's reaching out for prayer, and they've got their family and friends supporting them, and, and they've got all this um, different stuff happening. They finally get a bed up in Akron. Um, they get her on a ventilator, and they help her out. Um, and, and good news is that to this today, um, they're home. The daughter's doing well, but there was a very, very scary moment um, for him as a parent. And I tell you this because a few days ago, um, Shannon then showed me a video that he posted. She showed me this video, and it's of kind of their journey from when this happened to the scary moments to about the time that they were going. And I'm watching this video, and I'm not very, as I've told you guys, I'm not very emotional, and I didn't get really emotional during the video. But I said to her, there's something different about this video when I see his daughter sitting in the hospital crying, just trying to keep going. And I start thinking of my daughter. It's a little different now. That that could be my daughter. And I think so often, it's easy for us to, to, to think in that story, well, well, of course it's his child. He's going to love that child. He's going to do everything for that child because he's the dad. But that's not always how it works in this world. He as a dad has a love that's unexplainable for his daughter. And he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure his daughter is okay. Because that's what he does as a father because he loves his daughter with everything he's got. That's how the father loves you. Is he's going to do whatever it takes. I know it's not the best example, but, but when you look at sickness, it can kind of be like the sin in our lives. And he wants to do everything to get his daughter to be healthy again because he loves her. God looks at you and he says, I want to do everything I can to make you better. It hits a little differently when you understand his love for you. It hits a little differently when I start thinking of my daughter being in those shoes. God loves you with an unexplainable love that I could talk forever on, but, but I challenge you to just experience His love. And I can't guarantee and promise, but I, I would say you would have a heart that would generally be gravitated to love Him back because of how much He loves you.